0: to see you guys again. There we go. Cool. Uh, did you guys enjoy Dan Wilt last week? Yes. Yeah, isn't it good to have good friends in the vineyard? Yeah, such a, such a blessing to be able to be away from you guys for a bit and know that when I am, that whoever's going to be here is going to be awesome, you know. Um, last weekend, I was in Cape Coral, Florida, hanging out with a bunch of the vineyard tribe down in South Florida. And we had a really amazing time. And, um, this is one of the cool things, um, at least in terms of being a pastor for me anyway, um, is that God is doing all kinds of really, really incredible things all over America and really all over the world, but really all over America. That's the context I live in anyway. Um, in the vineyard, like God is doing really amazing things. Um, one of the things that I saw at Cape Coral last week was just just this church and their um, their tremendous heart for the poor. Every single Thursday night, every single Thursday night for years, they've been doing a sit-down dinner for 350 to 400 people who come in off the streets. Like their church is sort of a downtown church. And they have a big auditorium. They do a huge meal. And it was just, you know, it was amazing. And uh, the the number of people who come to faith at that church is really tremendous really tremendous so it was great to go and share with them and get to be a part of it but it's especially nice to be back here with you guys so high fives everybody awesome hey um today is the first sunday of advent Woohoo! and uh the theme for this sunday in advent is hope and um Before we start the message, I want to read some scriptures and we're going to sort of just run through the Bible here in a big time way. And um, hopefully what I want to do is, at least in terms of reading these scriptures, is to begin to connect some ideas for us. And um, we'll unpack that as we go along this morning. We'll start in Isaiah though. Chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a son. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And then from Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And these are words from Jesus. John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And then in Acts chapter 1, after he had said this, he, being Jesus, In Revelation chapter 1. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. And all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Well, this is the time of the year here at the Vineyard anyway, when we go when we go mildly liturgical, we don't go full liturgical, we just go mildly liturgical. Liturgical light. And this is the time of the year, at least in the church calendar, when we begin to sort of fall in line with the church calendar. It's the time of the year on the church calendar that's known as Advent. And for those of you who don't know, Advent is just a Latin word that means to come or coming. And it sort of makes sense because this is the time of year that we begin to focus our attention on the birth of Jesus, And so what we're going to do is for the next four weeks or so, for the next four weeks we're going to be looking and we're going to be meditating on the Christmas story. And hopefully we're going to do a little bit of reflection on what it means that God would become a man. We're going to do a little reflection on the incarnation. And we're going to try and get a sense of the story. (laughs) And when I say we're going to try and get a sense of the story, what I mean is this. We're going to try and get a sense of, of the really big story. That is the Advent story. Meaning we're not just going to focus on the small bits around the manger. No, make no mistake, those small bits around the, manger, around the manger are really important. Like We love those, right? <laughs> we, we totally love those. But we're going, we're going to try to get a bit of a bigger picture because the Advent story is not just one night in Bethlehem when Mary gave birth to Jesus even though that's really important it's more than that we're going to try to get a picture of the story that begins all the way back with Abraham when God made promises to Abraham and we're going to try to grab some of this stuff that was spoken to the prophets when the prophets would say things like you know hang on like the good stuff is coming and we're going to try to try to weave in some of what happened when Israel was completely lost in some ways and lived in exile under Babylonian rule they just they lost their homeland all those years waiting like everything that had been promised seemed to be completely gone um until until finally Jesus is born and one of the things i, I hope to do in the next couple weeks is to be able to present this story to us in a way that we can that we can see it and we can know it and we can be included in it so that it isn't just us saying, "Wow, isn't this a precious little story? Isn't this cute?" Like there's the baby Jesus, innocent and precious, you know. And and make no, misti- make no mistake, Jesus is precious, and I'm sure that when he was born, he was quite cute. I'm positive of that. But what we're going for, at least in the next few weeks, is to be swept up in this massive unfolding that that what God was doing in Eden he has not given up on. This is really the Advent story. That what he was doing in Eden, he is not giving up on. That the promises that he made to Abraham were not insignificant concessions made by a heavenly genie. You know, sometimes we, that's the way we grab it. It's just like, oh, well, God did this for him, for God knows why. Rather, what we want to do is we want to enter into the Advent story and we want to see all the ways in which the threads of salvation have been woven together for centuries and that they culminate in Jesus. And that those threads and that, that baby in the manger are the sources of great hope and peace and joy and love. One of the other things I want to say about the Advent story is this. That the Advent story is, is not a story that you, just, that you just read or listen to. I mean, it is all those things. You do read it and you do listen to it. And it is quite compelling. And if you give any of your attention to it, your heart sort of rises. But it isn't the sort of story that you experience simply from the outside. A lot of times, that's the way we initially begin with the story of Jesus. We sort of experience it from the outside. But eventually, eventually, it ends up way more personal and it becomes, it becomes imminent. Uh, it, it's sort of like this if you'll indulge me just for a second. The Advent story, in its proper context, is sort of like going to the movies and seeing a really great film on an IMAX screen. Um, I love going to the movies. I hardly ever get a chance to do that. Something about being the father of four just (laughs) killed movie going. But last weekend, I was totally alone, hanging out with the vineyard guys, and I had a free day and. I went to see Interstellar, absolutely by myself, on an IMAX screen. And these sweet little ladies, they came and I'd gotten my popcorn and my, and my Coke. It was about this big. And I'd sat there, theater's dark. And these sweet little ladies, they came and they, they sat next to me. The theater's enormous. They sat next to me. And I looked at the lady and I said, it's not you, it's me. And I moved. <laughs> really far away (laughs) I'm like lady I haven't done this in a year this is what I'm thinking you know and your granny perfume is not going to ruin this for me you know (laughs) But this is what the sweep of Scripture is is like. This is what the Advent story is like. If you if you can grab it from one end to the next, it's kind of like going to the movies and seeing a really great film on an IMAX screen. I mean, the one where the cinematography is beautiful, like it surrounds you, and the movie where the writing is brilliant, and it's a it's a film where all the actors are the perfect people for the parts that they've been given and the director is a genius and he clearly has a vision and then all these parts come together to form a thoroughly moving experience and then just as you expect the credits to come up just when you thought the film had reached its climax and resolve just when you thought everything that was done that needed to be done something strange begins to happen actually something quite bizarre Because the light that was shining onto the screen begins to shine on you. In fact, there's a light coming not just onto the screen, but there's a light coming out of the screen. And it's landing on everyone in the theater. And you're tempted to think that it must be some sort of new technology that theaters are employing. You're tempted to think that this must be some sort of a new grand finale that that the people in the theater business have arranged. And it is a grand finale, but it's just not the way you expected. Because now, not only is the light filling the room, and not only is the light coming from the screen, but it seems that the characters have somehow been lifted off of the screen and been put in the room. And it isn't just the minor characters either. It's the principals, along with the director and the crew and the composer. And people in the theater begin to notice that the score is still being played, but the music isn't coming out of the speakers. The music just simply is. It fills the whole space. It's everywhere. It's settling into every corner and every crack. And for a moment, people are stunned. And then people become alarmed. After all, no one has ever been to a movie like this. And then suddenly the director comes out and he begins to give announcements and directions. And suddenly a crew emerges from behind the screen, as if they'd always been there. And suddenly, a wardrobe is rolled into the middle of the room and a costume a costume designer grabs you by the arm and, and she drags you rather forcefully into her work. Everyone in the theater is receiving new clothes. Some people are being coached by a speech actor, learning new languages. Everyone is given a script. And then it dawns on everyone that whatever this story is, Whatever we'd all been watching for the past couple hours and whatever we thought was about to be drawn to a soft, satisfactory conclusion wasn't in fact over at all. Somehow we had been drawn into the story. Somehow we were now standing in something we never imagined. And somehow all of this history was now surrounding us. Uh, Some people even received new names. And and, And some people were really excited about that. While other people were not excited at all. In in fact, some people objected. In those instances, either the director or the screenwriter would come over and they would try to talk things out a bit. Usually the conversation went something like this. Oh, look, look, there's really not a need to be afraid. I, I mean, I understand you're afraid. I'm just saying there's not a need to be afraid. Why don't you do this? Why don't you just lean into this new character? Why don't you bring all of who you are, And all of who you were and put it into this new role. And don't worry about trying to be something you aren't. Just be who you are, but in a new direction. And then after a while, you'll know the script by heart and it won't even be a labor. And lots of the people in the room were really nervous, but they were willing and they jumped right in. They left their old life right then and there next to the popcorn machine. But others were just too afraid. In fact, one man told the director in an angry voice that he had not come to see he had not come to be a movie, he had simply come to see a movie. Truth is, everyone had come to see a movie that day, and I don't think anyone had come to be a movie. But that was the surprising offer of the day. Not just to see something new and exciting, not just to pay your money, and not just to escape for a few hours. the offer was to be something new and exciting for free. And then to enter into a totally new kind of life. See, I think this is the offer being made in Advent. We celebrate the coming of Jesus into the world. All the promises, some of the promises which were thousands of years old, and all the waiting, the culmination of this amazing story, that everything that was lost was being found, everything that was ruined Was being restored, and all that had been slow in coming had finally arrived. Yet, that's not the whole story. It's an important part of the story. It deserves attention and it deserves reflection. It's nothing short of beautiful, but it's not the whole story. And I have this sneaky feeling. I have this sneaky personal feeling that the parts that we know about the story the parts that we've read, the parts that we've learned growing up, and the parts that we've memorized, and the parts that we've told our friends, and the parts that even brought us into this thing we called salvation, I have this sneaky feeling that the parts we know in time may may end up being known as simply the preamble. I'm actually convinced that the weight of the story lies ahead. Now, some of us may be thinking, is this pastor saying that the movie we've seen isn't important? No, of course not. There's nothing more important than incarnation and Jesus being born into the world. And there's nothing more important than cross and resurrection. I'm not downplaying those parts of the story at all because they really do matter. They're essential, and we wouldn't even have this next act without them. But what I am saying is what I am saying is that there is going to be a tremendous final act. That there's more that lies ahead than lies behind. And there will be more said and more done and more seen as a result of goodness than there ever was done in need of goodness. And so because of that, Advent is the season not just to look at Jesus' first coming, but it's the season to live towards and anticipate His second coming. See, this story is not over this story is not over the story is not over like whatever you've been taught whatever you've learned whatever you've sort of thought because of the way we do church and maybe even the way we do church here in the vineyard you need to know this this story is not over we're not going to just look at the baby jesus and go isn't that just a really tremendous cute little story this story is not over more lies ahead than lies behind more lies ahead than lies behind Whatever we've learned up to this point is only the preamble. The good stuff is, in fact, still ahead for everyone. This is the really good news. And so Advent is not just a season to see Jesus' first coming. It's to anticipate his second coming. The director, I believe, is still directing. I've come to know that the screenwriter is still writing and that the cameras are still rolling. The story is still growing. And right now, everyone in the room is playing some part. Even if you're just the angry guy who went to see a movie and didn't want to be a movie. And so what that means for us functionally is, it means that we're now living between the times. The theologians call this living between the times. What is living between the times? It means that you and I, in fact everyone in the world, is living between His first coming and His second coming. It means that we're living between inauguration and consummation. And because we're living between the times, and because we're living... Living between first and second coming, inauguration and consummation, this is why life is so profoundly confusing. Anybody realize that life is really confusing, like really hard, and like sometimes tremendously great and tremendously painful, oftentimes at the very same time. This is why. The reason why life is tremendously great, tremendously terrible, tremendously exciting, tremendously awful, tremendously exhilarating, and tremendously painful, oftentimes in the very same moment, is because we're living between first and second coming, inauguration and consummation. We're living between the times. And so if you, or if I, sometimes feel rather confused about the direction of life, it's actually okay. It's why a lot of us experience moments of bliss and moments of pain. It's one of the reasons why, even in the midst of a perfect moment, we still ache for perfection. You ever done that before? Have you ever sat in a room with your family, and no one was fighting, and the kids were being good, and the fire was burning in the fireplace, and the wine is just so right, and the dinner has been great, and people are talking about things that actually matter. And everything is just right. And then if you're even the least self-aware about the moment that you're sitting in, the perfection that exists in the room, there's a thing that sits right beneath that perfection. And you realize, even though I'm sitting in a perfect moment, there's, I still have a heartache for perfection. How is that possible? That's one of the reasons. It's possible because we live between the times. It's one of the reasons why, why we can be satisfied and hungry all at the same time. It's one of the reasons why you can meet God and have your heart satisfied only to become more hungry. It's these paradoxical things that happen. And every one of these aches and every one of these longings and all of these appetites that we have... They're actually signs that are telling us from the inside that the story isn't over. Like if you if you were longing and you were aching and you were hungry and no one taught you to long or to ache or to be hungry, it sort of makes sense that maybe the director has woven this into story and this is one of his quiet and subtle ways to let everyone know that this thing's still on the story isn't over this is why for instance that on august 28th in 1963 martin luther king jr led the march on washington and he brought civil rights to the forefront of american consciousness like that was a thing we didn't want to think about Like, if you go back and read some of this stuff, it's pretty crazy, you know. There's a huge part of our population here in America that we we didn't want to think about that. Mostly white Americans, powerful. We didn't want to think about that. And a black guy from Georgia came out of nowhere and made everybody think about it. And it's the reason why he led a movement in the face of violence with peace. And that he helped a whole people see victory without ever pulling the trigger. That's phenomenal. It's It's absolutely phenomenal. It's why he could lead a march on Washington in a peaceful manner in 1963, and yet on April 4th, 1968, he was assassinated. It's like satisfaction and hunger. It's perfection and ache all at the same time. Um, Even today, for instance, we have a black president. And how many of you understand that 50 years ago, no one would have thought that was possible? Right? (laughs) Right? Like, we have a black president right now, and 50 years ago, no one would have thought that was possible. But all the while, like, race issues are simmering right beneath the surface in places like Ferguson, Missouri. Like, what is this? What is this? This is living between the times. This is living between the times. And these kinds of paradoxical, non-fitting together moments, these moments of perfection and ache, these moments of satisfaction and hunger, these moments of... Just heartache and longing, all of these longings are telling us something. All of this unsettledness is pointing to the fact that the story is not over. Every single resolved note that hangs in the air is pointing to a time when resolution will come. See, one of the things that I would like to say, at least at the beginning of this series, is that every one of our longings is an Advent longing, whether you knew it or not. Every one of our longings is ultimately a longing for Jesus to come and to do the things that only Jesus can do. All of our advent, are, all of our longings are Advent longings, and because our longings are Advent longings, it, it means that we can live. It means that we can live without being hopeless or, cl- or crushed. In fact, Advent is a season of hope, and the first Sunday in Advent is hope. It's the reason it's the first word on our Advent banner. Don't you guys like that? Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, this is a season of hope, meaning that meaning that in the midst of everything, we have a real and we have a living hope. Now, hope is one of those really strange, uniquely Christian concepts. It, it, it's faith's twin brother, and hope is more hope is more than just wishful thinking. In the same way, in the same way that faith is more than believing what we know isn't true. See, a lot of times in the church when we talk about faith, what we mean is believing what you know isn't true, and hope is wishful thinking. Neither of those are accurate. Hope is patient assurance, and hope is a promised savior. Um, specifically, hope is the Savior that was born in a barn, meaning meaning this, meaning that God has actually acted in the world. The story isn't over, and we can live the story through with hope because Jesus was born in a barn, meaning that God has acted in the world. Like We have actual hope because God is doing stuff. Hope is also the resurrected Jesus. In fact, every single time you read the word hope or hear someone talk about hope, I want this church to think about Jesus Christ resurrected. I want you to think about Jesus with, with scars on his hands and a wound in his side. That's what I want you to think about. Because, because what it means is this. It, it means that no matter how dark things are, no matter, how, no matter how complicated things are, no matter how much things are not working out, it means that in the last moment, when you least expect it, God will raise it up. And that there's still light to come. So hope is the assurance that God is at work right under the nose of powerful oppression. And hope is is the certainty that whatever the darkness, God is using it to his advantage. This is one of the great things about God. It doesn't matter what darkness exists in the world. God is so wise and he is so smart. He can take even darkness and work it to his advantage. Even darkness. Uh, How many of you have a house where when you turn the lights off, the mice start running? Is that, right? Uh, two weeks ago, Heather and I were awakened every single night by this little scratch. You know? And then the... That sucker never ran until the lights went off, right? I was just thinking about him. And what's that little guy doing? Well, he he's just running around our house while the lights are off and no one can see him or know about it. And he's eating everything that Rowan has kicked on the ground for the last... 12 hours right everything everything that Rowan has thrown uh, everything that Rowan has pitched out of his mouth and onto the floor that somehow escaped our broom that little guy is running around our house in the darkness and he's just getting fatter and fatter that's God that's God no matter what the darkness is in the world he, he's using it to his advantage no matter what no matter what you and I at this point think looks bigger, stronger, more powerful, intimidating, and imposing, as soon as the light goes off, the littlest guy in the house is eating best, right That's hope. no matter what the darkness is, God is the one who is using it to his advantage, and hope is the knowledge that God has been at work. And that He is at work, and that He will be at work. That's 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 like real hope. Advent is that God has come, He is here, and He's coming again. There's this old, there's this old um, Anglican prayer that is oftentimes, actually, it's not a prayer. It's more of a declaration that's oftentimes spoken together as a church. And it, it it's in many ways, it's an Advent declaration. It goes like this. Christ has died, and Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Why, why don't we, you all want to do that together? Yeah. Let's do that together. It's, hang on, just so you know. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Let's do that again. Every voice though, you ready? Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. This is Advent hope. And then if we were to tweak it just a little bit, it's like this. Christ has come, Christ is here, and Christ will come again. Let's try that. You ready? Christ has come. Christ is here. And Christ will come again. Let's do this again. Christ has come. Christ is here. And Christ will come again. Let's make a holy trinity of this. Christ has come. And Christ is here. And Christ will come again. And so the story is not over. The story is not over. Advent is not simply what happened. It's what's happening. And it's what's going to happen. We're not merely spectators. I think this is one of the things that God is saying to us right now. This is not a season to reflect on who Jesus is and what the scriptures have to say in a way that makes us spectators. We are not spectators. And because we're not spectators, it means that no matter how good or how rotten or how bad your life has been up to this point, there is still really good stuff ahead. Um... This is good news, especially for people who have had bad things happen in their life. And that's most people here. But some people, it seems like their lives are just touched by tragedy more than others. The good news is, is if your life has been profoundly touched by tragedy, there is good stuff ahead of you. There is good stuff ahead of you. There's more ahead than lies behind. And even if you're one of these people who's, who's had a tremendously blessed life... Uh, One of the one of the curses of having a blessed life is the thought that it's not going to be better, that my my best days are behind me. And I'm here to tell you that because Christ has come, because Christ is here and because he is coming again, that the good stuff is actually ahead. And even if you've been a tremendously blessed person, the best days of your life are still in front of you. This is like Advent hope, and it means that we're not spectators God is inviting people to enter into the drama. If you read the Christmas story, what you see is that Jesus comes into the world, and when Jesus comes into the world, all these people who were on the outside get invited in. Jesus is constantly, he's forever the center of the universe, but he's constantly inviting people who were far away, and he makes them the center of the drama. And it's the same for you and I. I mean, just think about about it for a minute. Think about some of the people that... Helped Mary and Joseph. Think about all the guys who said, We don't have any room at the end, and then finally somebody says, Well, you can use our barn. Like they have intersections with the coming Jesus. And think about think about all these shepherds who showed up to worship. Like they're just doing their thing, right? But God is inviting people to not just do their thing, but to begin to do his thing. And he's willing to sing a hallelujah chorus over. An empty field filled with sheep just so that you could be invited in. God is looking for like, he, not spectators. He wants, he wants, come on, like, come on in. Like the story's way bigger and it's not over. And then this week, for whatever reason, I don't even know why. I've been thinking about Joseph of Arimathea. He's like, it's just some guy. He takes him off. I don't even know why I'm crying. It's stupid. But he's the guy who just said, hey, why don't you let me have Jesus' party? I've got it too. Like who Jesus is, is always inviting people in. You You can't really live a kingdom life and be a spectator. And so we've been invited into the drama. Jesus was born in a barn in Bethlehem. Only to be born in the barn of our own hearts. With the promise that he would come again. And so this is a season to believe God again. Like especially in the areas where you've stopped believing God. Or that you've given up hope. Like, Why don't you just start believing God again. Right in that spot. And this is a season to enter in. This is specifically a season to resist the temptation to be a spectator and to enter in. In fact, why don't you sign up for the talent show? <laughs> <laughs> to begin to participate with God. And we can enter in. We can enter into this season. We can, we can enter into the things that God is doing. We can do this with hope-filled hearts. Which means that we don't have to be overwhelmed. It means that we don't have to be cynical. And we don't have to be depressed. No, I understand totally that uh, it's really, it's tempting to be overwhelmed, cynical, and depressed. Like, those are the holy trinity of American (laughs) worldviews. Overwhelmed, cynicism, and depression. And we don't have to. We don't have to, in fact, some people before they leave this morning, they might want to just, they might want to give up the right to being depressed. You might want to give up the right to being cynical or overwhelmed. And because we have this hope that God sent his son when we most needed help and that God raised his son when he was dead and that God will send him again. Amen. Amen. A couple questions. Some things to muse on and to ponder this week. This will help us, I think. First one is this Why don't you take a moment? Why don't you take a moment? Heck, take many moments and begin to reflect on this. Where is Jesus being born? Like where do you see God doing a new thing? And um, by the way, you should especially look for common, rotten, and dirty places. It is it is no it is no coincidence that Jesus was born in a barn. Jesus was born into a mess. What what are the common, dirty, rotten messes that God is bringing forth His Son even right now? Like, look around in your life. Actually, do this. You can actually work the math like this. Find the worst place that you know or the worst moment in your life right now and just start believing that's where God wants to bring Jesus. Where's Jesus being born? And by the way, um, I would also like to say that people have been meeting Jesus like crazy lately. Um, Here and uh, last week in Cape Coral, people were jumping up to meet Jesus at the end of the message like I'd never seen in my entire life Um, people want people want the savior of the world to be born into the barn of their heart they really do second question is this where's God inviting me to enter in like to give up being a spectator and to begin to enter in and then thirdly Where do I feel hopeless? If you feel hopeless, that is not God. Where do I feel hopeless? Begin to invite Jesus there. Amen? Amen. Hey, why don't y'all stand up? I want to pray for you. And we will begin to transition this message.